So this past week, the Respect for Marriage Act just passed the House Senate and was signed by President Joseph Biden. And there's been a lot of conversations about what this bill means for Christians. And so today on Life Talks, we're going to be discussing this. Um, we've had conversations about social issues before, Dan, but mm-hmm. you know, it, it always seems like there's another one that opens up this can and we get to talk about the implications of what it means for Christians individually, Christian institutions. And and so, so we're having this conversation today. I'm Ben, you're Dan. We are two of the teaching pastors here at Life Fellowship. And um, it's just another example, Dan, for me, when I hear about it, it's just kind of like, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's. Yeah. I guess that was my initial thought, but I think yeah, that— and you know, that's sad, isn't it? Because it used to be you'd see these things and you'd say, oh my goodness, you know. Yeah. And, and now we've almost become numb to it. Yeah. Um, you know, as the progressive left, which I don't even like to use that term, but, you know, continues to march forward almost unabated right now uh, in, their, in their journey toward changing mm-hmm. the cultural fabric of our nation. Yeah, I, I read, I try to read some articles about it, and, and some of them, uh, like I read one take from the Heritage Foundation, they, they thought this was absolutely horrible. And then I read an article on Christianity Today, and they said this isn't too bad because there's protections for Christians. And so, yeah. By the way, of the two, in terms of credibility, <laughs> I'm going to go with Heritage Foundation over Christianity Today. <laughs> Why is that? Right. I'm just curious. Yeah, because Christianity Today has moved increasingly leftward. They were always. <laughs> More on the left side of center before, and they they've grown con- increasingly left. You know, they have an appeasement, uh, pluralistic type of. A there's mentality. a little bit of woke. There's a little bit of wokeness. Yeah, to, and they to and they keep CT. moving that. And some of that wokeness is an overreaction to Donald you know, Trump. Donald Trump and totally. far right. Stuff, I, I, I so. think there is there is a group of Christians who, because of their disdain for not just Donald Trump, but the religious rights fawning over Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. I think there's a group of Christians, and I believe they're Christians, mm-hmm. that are like, we are the antithesis of that. And so therefore, yeah. anything that is even even whiffs of conservatism, they, they want yeah. to do Which with is, it. and this is probably a whole other podcast, but that's an incredibly naive position to hold. And be, because you, this is a culture war, okay? Mm-hmm. When you fight war, you understand the rules of war are to win at whatever cost, mm-hmm. you know, because the the, uh, the opponent generally wants to annihilate you. Yeah. They are, they're assuming that our opponents on this other side are virtuous enough to let us practice our faith unencumbered. Mm. And that's just not where they're headed. That's right. And, and, you know, that's why this bill ought to be concerning to us to some extent, not simply because the impact of this specific bill, as much as it is another victory, another notch in the belt, so to speak, of the progressive left's battle against traditional biblical morality. Yeah. And I think I think one of the things that you know they've showed their cards in some ways with the uh the was I, I always mispronounce it the Oberfeld the Oberfeld decision yeah back in nineteen or two thousand fifteen um, and there's this exchange between Samuel Alito and the I can't remember the name of the um the the lawyer that was arguing for for the government but the whole idea was Alito you know, they showed their cards. They said, basically, what we're trying to do is take away the tax exempt status of every institution, college, mm-hmm. university that does not believe in in gay marriage. I mean, yeah. that, that that's their ultimate desire is to do away with anyone. And it doesn't matter the religious uh, religious institution. They want to do away with anyone that will dis disagree with their philosophy of of social 
sexual ethics. Yes. And and taking away the tax exempt status is not the final destination. I mean it could it could literally become incarceration mm. of those who would speak against it. Mm-hmm. Um you know the the progressive left has not yet plumbed the depths of their commitment to normalizing deviant behavior. Mm-hmm. And 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 uh and, and, you know, we see it in a lot of places. Legislation is just one of the aspects of yeah. it. It's, in, it's infested the, the, the corporate world. Mm-hmm. It's infested the entertainment world. It's the educational system. The educational system. All the main pillars, uh, even to the, to the point banks now are refusing to do business with people who don't share their, the, their sexual ethics. Um, you You're know, kidding me. No, no, absolutely. They are closing the bank accounts of certain organizations that they would consider to be hateful. So you can't disagree in today's culture unless you're automatically labeled hateful. Mm. And so now, and this has happened in, in Europe, in, in Great Britain, but it's also been attempted here. PayPal has come precariously close to it. And, uh, you know, there's probably eventually going to be some litigation on it. Yeah. But but the reality is, if, if you think just uh, protecting the ability to marry, uh, you know, and, and the other thing about this bill that was was brilliant on their part and it's a lot of people the, the religion the, the racial the, i'm sorry the racial component yeah so so by by impact or, or by you know subtle implication it was like well if you're against gay marriage you're also against interracial marriage yeah other and and, and they put people on a position where in the next election, they would say, yeah, he voted against interracial marriage. <laughs> uh, so, you know, it's it, and that's the dirty part of politics. They, that's politics. They love to and slip in these, that. these yeah, amendments that. that, oh, you vote against this, yeah, right? it's called the poison pill. Yeah. So, you know, I think the only reason, maybe this isn't the only reason, but a lot of the reasoning for this, what what triggered this was uh, to- actually uh, Clarence Thomas's dissent um, to the to the overturning of Roe v. Wade, right? Because yeah, he, yeah. he actually said all of these social uh, decisions that the Supreme Court has made, it's, you need to revisit them. Um, and there's been people that said, you know, that was just his opinion, even though we might think it's a right opinion, yeah. right? But, but but I mean, he was basically sowing the seeds, hoping, hoping to gain some traction for it to be rigid, which if you are an originalist, if you strict, are a constitu- yes. yeah, if you're a strict constructionist, his point is valid. Yeah. It, it isn't the fact of whether Gazer should or shouldn't be allowed to be married. That's the core issue here. It is, does the Constitution require exactly. it? And, and that's where he says, you know, the Oberfeld decision was mistaken. Uh, but he goes back to another decision, I can't remember the name of it, in 1964 as mm-hmm. well, that basically legalized. And he's saying the Constitution isn't talking about about this. Yeah. So we can't talk about it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the left wants the Constitution to be applied in this yeah. way, which, you, you know, your activist judges would, would embrace as well. Right. It's a difference in philosophy. And that's fine. That's, you know, that's the reason why we have justices and judges and courts. Um, and, and you have to be able to make your case and make it effectively. But he wasn't wrong in raising the issue. I, his timing and maybe even the occasion may have not been the wisest because they can speak at other times uh, to raise these kind of questions. It's certainly, it's but that certainly was, that was used. That this. was the you know dog whistle, so to speak. That, yeah. that people were like oh, they, freak, they, they freaked out about. Yeah. And this, see, this is this is what they want to do. They want to overturn all these things. And so, and and you and I both know that 
you cannot legislate people into a moral people say you can't you shouldn't legislate morality no you should legislate morality because your 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 legislation should be a reflection of morals right mm-hmm. but what they're saying is you cannot legislate someone into morality that's maybe a better mm-hmm. phrase that that we could use and we know that even if you pass all these laws you're never going to legislate someone into morality but what i i do think is important is to understand that there are there were amendments that were tried that that were attempted by certain republicans uh, I think Mike Lee was the biggest one to add an amendment that that really would protect anyone of any religious background from coming under any discrimination um, or attack, uh, and that his his got voted down. There was another one that was added that did pass, but it was more of a um, it, it didn't protect every religious institution or yeah. or group. So so what is emerging here is which is the more valued freedom, the clear freedom of being able to worship and practice your religion without encumbrance by the government or to be able to behave sexually any way. And that, force that upon and, people. And force that upon yeah. other people who may disagree with it, which is, well, there's one that's clear in the Constitution and there's one that is not even yes. mentioned in the yeah. Constitution, but it, by implication, people are arguing for it. Um, I mean, it really has the potential to disrupt 250 years of U.S. history yeah. um, simply be, because either the Constitution matters or it doesn't. Yeah. And when we decide the Constitution doesn't matter and that and that a judge or a set of judges can eliminate broad rights that are clearly enunciated in the document, then then you might as well just throw the whole thing out. And it doesn't it doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah. So I think I think that's really what we're facing right now is. Uh, I guess I'm uh, here's here's a question I want to ask you is do you think that there, this law will be will will be taken to the Supreme Court to see if it's yeah I mean I suspect some applications of it will be at some point in the future and I think it, it, considering the current state of our court that will be okay you, you see again Congress can pass any bill that they want to including this one mm-hmm. but if it doesn't meet constitutional muster then the Supreme Court is going to knock it right back down <laughs> so there are several constitutional issues as to whether the United States Congress has the right to impose the will of the federal government on individual states as it regards to what marriages they're going to accept or, or not. We know that probably of the 50 states, there's probably going to be about 30 of them. Not going to have any problem with this at all. Right. But there are a few southern states and western, uh, mid, Midwest, upper Midwest states that may have some problems with this. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so as a, as a result, I think somebody's probably going to challenge this just like ultimately the reason Roe versus Wade was challenged. Yeah. But that'll take years and years and years to process. Yeah. No. So there's two there's two other issues I want to bring up to you that that I was thinking thinking about and I just will want to ask your take on it. The first one is this. Section 7 of the law talks about that th- this does not apply. Their law does not apply to polygamous marriages. Hmm. Okay? So it's only same-sex marriages. But my question is this why? Like on what basis are they even limiting, you know, if, if marriage is not between a man and a woman, it can be between a man and a man or a woman and a woman, that they've removed all boundary. Like they just drew a line in the sand that's just a little bit, I guess, to the left. Yeah. But but there's once once you've untethered the definition from the true anchor of what it has been for millennia across across the the known span known of civilization, <laughs> why if I was a polygamist right now? I'd be ticked. I would be suing, like I'd be suing and saying you can't, 
you it's like discrimination. It's discrimination, right? Because you've already te- there's more of a record, by the way, of the recognition of polygamous marriages than there is of homosexual marriages. <laughs> that's, that's historically. Really, but I guess that's my question: is what they don't have any basis to make that standard? So well, I'm just curious. Uh, yeah, as and your I think that's that. really important for us not to overlook because it's part of an agenda. I mean, this is a, this is the the dismantling of traditional Judeo-Christian moral, biblical Christian worldview. However, you want to apply it, values is the agenda of the radical left. Mm-hmm. It is the it is it is the it, it is where they're going. When I was a kid, you would never have had this conversation, mm-hmm. and then it just became a part of the well, what ifs, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden, here's a state, there's a state, and then so fifty years removed from my childhood. This is now the law of the land. Mm-hmm. So you got to ask yourself, what other conversations are occurring at this moment that 50 years removed from now, long after I'm dead and gone, but after my children are my yeah, age, yeah. Are, are, are going to be? Here's the ones they're talking about now. They're talking about maps, minor attracted people. Yeah. Are, are they being discriminated against? Um, you can be a minor attracted person, which, by the way, is a fancy dancy word for pedophile. Pedophile. I mean, that, that it makes you, makes me nauseous to even yeah, think, but, but, but that... That's exactly the same. But if we had this conversation 50 years ago, we would talked about drag queens and and transvestites. The person I was talking to would have said, that even makes me nauseous thinking about it. And so what happens is we normalize deviant behavior. And the word deviant is even a bad word, but deviant means away from the normal or away from, you know, the common. And and so these are deviant sexual behaviors. And and now we've normalized them. Then we're going to get to a point where we prefer them. Yeah. We must celebrate them. We mm. can't even just tolerate them. We have to celebrate mm. them. And then if you oppose them, you're guilty of hatred. And because of the rise of hate laws, that becomes, again, you know, if we started this trend back in the 80s and 90s when we started defining hate speech. Mm. Look, we have freedom of speech. We have freedom to be hateful. We have freedom to be obnoxious. We have freedom to be wrong or stupid and and to speak of that or... We don't have freedom of speech, but there's no in, in, you know, and some people always say, well, you can't yell fire in a crowded right, building. Right. But, but we're not talking about that. You know, when they gave the new category of hate crimes, in order to do that, you've got to go to motive and intent and in areas of a person's life that are very abstract. Right. And at the bottom line, murder is always murder. Right. You know, if you right. take care of it because it was murder, whether they were hateful about the murder or it was specifically because of a person's skin or sexual orientation or whatever is irrelevant, mm. deal with the murder. Mm. But if this becomes an added bludgeon mm-hmm. to the, the, the penalty. So w- we are in a position now where normalcy is offensive, mm-hmm. uh, which is you know, the traditional values, the sexual ethics and so forth we've discussed. And deviancy is preferred. Mm. So therefore, I'm hateful if I say, you're not going to use my tax dollars to bring some flippant drama or drama queen, but a, a drag queen into my kid's elementary school mm-hmm. to read to them. There are 9,999 other categories of people that can read to my kids I don't have a problem with. Don't you dare bring that in. Mm. And don't you dare do that without my knowledge Mm -hmm. either. Yeah. So that I can walk in there and pull my kid out of that school. And by the way, any self-respecting parent would do that. Yeah. If you would let your kid sit at the feet of a deviant drag transvestite reading funny little stories to your kids about how this is somehow normal, you're a bad parent. I'm I'm, I'm that clear. You're a bad parent. So we parents have to get back in there and start 
exercising. You say, yeah, yeah, that sounds so radical. It ought to be radical to protect our kids. Yeah, and I it, mean, the soul of our, the soul of the next generation is really it's a what's stake at right stake here. right now. Yeah, but like the proverbial frog in the kettle, which we know isn't true, what we have done is like, oh, well, you know, I don't want my kid to be ostracized. I don't want, I don't want to have a problem with the teacher. <laughs> and we rationalize inaction. And in doing so, we're destroying our kids. Yeah. Our kids are growing up so confused. And we're seeing it in middle school, tween age kids. They don't think it's wrong. To, to have a homosexual relationship. I don't think it's wrong switch to, genders. to switch genders. They don't yeah. think it's wrong. And now when these kids grow up and they learn hardened values, the right and wrong and normalcy and deviancy, they're horrified that no parents, no mm. authorities stood up for their protection during the vulnerable ages when they were susceptible to these kind of lies. Yeah, yeah I, I completely agree. And I, I think that's the... What, what you just talked about, that was a beautiful rant, Dan. I was in full <laughs> rant mode, wasn't I? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that we we really have to, as parents, understand what is at stake. And I think there's this, um, I mean, my, what my heart wants to do is just, we just have to learn how to cry out to God. And we have to learn how to say, God, you are the only one that can change the the trajectory of all of these things happening. Yes, the left has an agenda. It feels like the left has power. And this is the th- it's one of the things we've been talking about in our Daniel series. But at the same time, like I've got to believe that God is God's more powerful than this. And I don't want to lose hope and I don't want to get discouraged, but it's like that's where my heart f- kind of sometimes defaults into when I read about this um it makes me concerned because all their like you said it's it's one more step one more step to make normal that which is not normal mm-hmm. and i think in 20 what what has transpired in 20 years right um i can't remember who's the i think massachusetts was the first state to pass civil unions for homosexuals in 2003 if i'm if i'm if i might be mistaken on on the year but yeah. it was around that time right and look where we have come in 20 years. Yeah. But I would also point out a book written in the 1980s by Robert Bork, who mm-hmm. should have been on the Supreme Court. And the title of his book was Slouching Toward Gomorrah. Mm. Now, that book is 40 years old, 50 years old now, 40 and years old. And, and, and Bork is dead. Go back and read that book, and it's like reading a book of prophecy. Hmm. Um, and he was alarmed at that stage, but what he predicted would happen is now unfolding. And and that's why we can't be, we can't live in the moment on these things. We mm-hmm. have to see where it's headed. Right. And 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 it's an unrelenting shift away from God. It's as old as the fall of man. Yeah. And we're called to resist it. We're called to to, to offer the different. But the other thing I think conservative Christians need to be really aware of is our our tendency to place our hope in government protection. Yeah. That's gone and it's never it's, coming it's back. It's a and I think I guess that's the one question you, you I said I had two things to ask you. One was the uh polygamy thing. The other thing was the as Christians, what do we do with this? I mean, what wh- how do we respond? How do we in, in the last few moments that we have together, what 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 kind of advice or encouragement would you give to a Christian who, you know, it's not going to change. It doesn't change our life. Like we're, this doesn't show up on Main Street overnight. Mm-hmm. But this does do something, and we've yeah. got to respond in the in the right biblical way. What would you say? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a multifaceted situation. I think first of all, we have to go to war. And you know, people you say, "Oh, he sounds so radical." No, I'm talking about war against evil, war against Spirit- spiritual, spiritual, spiritual warfare. Yeah. Um, you know, there are practical steps. I mean, this isn't a rant. 
but this is very declarative and some people will disagree. But if I were, you know, 25 and had little kids in my house again, number one, they would not go to a public school. Number two, their access to the internet and electronic devices would be very, very limited and very controlled. Number three, I would be spending so much time with them as, as, as the parent trying to walk with them. Number four, uh, activity in the faith community would be a priority of everything else, including sports and dance and all the other things. Mm. I would never, and listen, listen carefully to me on this, I would never skip church to play ball. I would never skip church to do a dance recital. I would never skip church to do these kinds of things um, because you're sending a signal. You say, well, that just sounds so legalistic. At some point, it's structuralistic. And by giving your kids a structure of proper values, um, you are you are setting the standard for them to be able to decide right and wrong. You're no guarantee. There's no guarantee that they'll choose that as That's an right. adult. Yeah. But at least you're giving them a framework from which to make these decisions. Yeah. So those are just a handful. I've got yep. a bunch more good. that I'll probably share at some point again in the future. But it's time for parents to get really serious about the job yeah. of leading their family yeah. and protecting their family. Yeah. Because you can't count on society, culture, or government to do one bit of assistance to you in these Absolutely. areas. Absolutely. I think that's uh, vigilance, awareness. Um, yeah, and vigilance is not vigilanteism. No, no, and, no, no, and th- no. Th- th- But that's what the world wants you to think. Yeah. They want you to think you're radical. They want you to think you're, you're, you're hateful. No, vigilance is a is a great value of watchful awareness and proactive action. Yeah, because because all of the institutions we talked about at the, at the top end of this episode. You cannot trust them. You cannot trust a television channel or or network. You cannot trust um, a school. You you cannot trust. In some cases, you cannot even trust your church because even even like we started off talking about the Christianity Today, Mm -hmm. there are loud voices that are wrapped in spiritual titles that are that are acquiescing. Just yeah. like there have been in every religious movement yeah, ever, as, exactly it, as it right. declines. 100%. So we 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 need to know the word of God ourselves. And fathers, you're the, you know, you're you're the that that role model in the home. And mothers, uh, you know, you're the voice of the Holy Spirit that has to set the tone. It begins not in Washington. It doesn't even begin at the church. It begins at home. Yeah. Amen. Well, I hope this has been a an, an enlightening and um, maybe eye-opening episode for you as, as you listen to this to, to pay attention to what's happening. I know that um, it's a lot of times when we listen to these uh, these laws that are passed, we look at them through the social lens or um, maybe through a political lens, but really through the spiritual lens is what where we need to be always looking first and foremost. Thanks again for joining us today on Life Talks. We look forward to having you join us for another episode. You've been listening to Life Talks. Be sure to hit the subscribe button so you never miss a new episode. Share this podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to let your friends and family know about Life Talks. We'd love to hear from you as well. So leave a comment and let us know your thoughts on this episode or any other topics we've discussed. Life Talks is a ministry of Life Fellowship in Cornelius, North Carolina. For more information on Life Talks or Life Fellowship, visit lifecharlotte.com or you can find us on Facebook at Life Fellowship Charlotte.